I hear you're a huge basketball fan now, Sarah. You can name like a position. <laughs> Point guard. <laughs> <laughs> what did we say before the show? Slam dunk. Tall Slam people. dunk. Tall people. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you don't even know a player on your championship winning team. Was there was one guy that's named after an island in Hawaii. Who's that guy? Wow. That was... I. Really didn't think you were going to drop the ball that hard on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, here's the thing. The whole of Canada, besides me, obviously, um, has has become basketball fans as of last week because the Toronto Raptors won the NBA championship. And But the only reason that I brought this up earlier was that I heard a funny stat on the news this morning, which is that more people showed up to the parade for the Raptors returning home to Toronto than to Donald Trump's inauguration. So that kind of made me laugh. I heard that 60% of Canada watched at least one game. So, Oh, I believe that 100%. I mean, <laughs> so patriotic. Although I did, honestly, I did mean to watch that sixth game, where the one where they won. And I, it was just kind of one of those things where I saw the news come into the feed on my phone late on Thursday night. And I was like, oh, is it Thursday? Whoops, I forgot to watch. So that's what it's like in my world. I don't even think you're a real Canadian. I don't know, Sarah. Yeah. I, I have spent like 50% of my life not here. So maybe I'm not quite as patriotic as most. I have thought when I've been in Canada that the amount of maple leaves that you guys have and everything is disarming, alarming. And if, uh, and if, and and it it looks cute to us because we're like, oh, maple leaf, how adorable. But if it was like a bald eagle, you'd be like, whoa, America, calm down. Like if we had the quantity of maple leaves you had, but they were like eagles or whatever we got, it would be like, whoa, 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 America, you're like a little intense. But instead we find it charming and Canadian and adorable. Well, we are charming and adorable. Yes. Look at look at our animals like moose, beavers. So charming. Bears, so cute and fluffy. Okay. <laughs> Is that enough of a catch up? Did you have anything else you want to tell our audience before like, we break? You're like, I don't even know, guys. I don't even know what's going on. We're talking about Canadian maple leaf, Toronto raptor, whatever. Whatever. Okay, but coming up on the show. Slightly more cohesive conversations about when your training partner wins a race, the logistics of living in a foreign country as a pro athlete, how we talk about women and their bodies in the media, women athletes, that is, and bike shop snobbery after this. Kelly, I finally got my shipment of noon up here in Canada, and I am so excited. The last couple days, I've been going to CrossFit with Noon Hydration Sport watermelon flavor, and I have been loving it so far. But I want to know from you, what product should I try next? Okay, so you're trying the tablet. So the Sport tablet is the one you drop in your water bottle. They also have an immunity tablet for you know when you're feeling sick that you can drop in your water bottle. And I've been trying the, or been using the Noon Rest which is for recovery and relaxation. It's like chamomile flavored. It has magnesium and potassium in it. I you like drink it before you go to bed. Helps you recover well. You sleep great. It's fantastic. Okay, awesome. I'm totally going to try that tonight. Okay, if anyone at home wants to try, go to noonlife.com and use the code IRONWOMEN and you get 30% off. So Iron Women is our sister podcast. Noonlife, N-U-U-N, life.com. Give it a try. 
Live Feisties If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc. Ass Kicker makes activewear for women featuring empowering phrases like work hard, play hard, kick ass, or strong women lift each other up. Ass Kicker Inc. also makes our fabulous Live Feisty tank tops, t-shirts, hoodies, and leggings. So to order yours, go to livefeisty.com and just choose shop from the menu. And of course, use the code RIDING to save 20%. That's RIDING, as in if we were, at livefeisty.com. And remember, I before E, except if you're feisty. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race it and tell to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. It's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. Okay, Sarah, you've had a lot of very good training partners, so I'm sure you've had this experience. Um, and I had this happen a couple times where somebody that you know really well, you think of as like you're uh, equal, like you're the same speed, and then they go and they win a race or they get second, and you think, and there are two ways to respond to this, right? Either you're like, oh, shit, Leslie got second at Ironman Wisconsin. I can probably get second at Ironman Wisconsin. Or you think... God damn it. What are they doing that I'm not doing? How did they get like faster and I stayed the same? I feel like those are the two reactions you have. Which response did you have when Leslie got second? Leslie Miller. Shout Leslie out. Miller got yes. second at Ironman Wisconsin a couple years back. What, what was your reaction? Oh, I was like, oh, I'm sure I could win it. This makes sense now. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting. I did a talk at a company the other week. And this is one of the things that I talked about was how winning begets winning. Right. And in the context was for me, when I first saw this happen was in Scotland, where we had a brand new national coach when I was living there. And he came in and he took this like eclectic little group of athletes who were all like, no one was winning anything. Let's just say that. (laughs) And literally turned people into winners. And it started, what happened was it just started with one person. Right. right. So like you're training with a group and you see someone and you swim with them every day and you know that you can kind of keep up with them. If that person wins, then typically, especially if you have that kind of like winning mindset, like clearly you have, then it definitely shows you that you can win too. So I think if your friend wins and you're kind of jealous and you think, how did she do that? I don't think I could ever do that. Then you're probably never going to win. Well, that's really fair. But there is the other, I do think like, okay, so you totally, like we all do the thing where we compare and we see people and you're like, oh, I beat her one time and now she beat that person. So I could probably beat that for whatever. Right. Even though when we compare, it's always on our best day. But then there's this other thing Then eventually, I don't know if eventually, but at some point you get when someone who was your speed gets significantly faster, but you did not have a similar jump that I feel like is when you start to be like, wait, what happened? Why are they fat? Like we used to be close why am i not there now right that's a different scenario than when Mm -hmm. you're training with the person every day so when you used to be you used to train with someone or you used to race against them a lot and know that you were similar and then they go off and do something different and it works for them and then they take a jump up and that can sometimes be that can sometimes be hard to swallow you know for sure um but you're better to look at like what did they do right i know it's true and it probably isn't doping guys. Like, let's be real. I know everyone always says that as the answer, but probably they just changed like their training plan or their lifestyle or their coach or whatever. Yeah, definitely. 
injecting anything new into your training or challenging your body in a different way, any, like those things all will usually make you faster, especially in the short term. So yeah. Winning mm-hmm. begets winning. Winning begets winning. Okay, guys, mm-hmm. just don't be jealous when I win something is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll all try to hold back we'll, our we'll jealousy. We'll all hold back. Uh, so I got back on social media like yesterday, Sarah, and I understand. And of course, uh, immediately I see all of my triathlon posts on Instagram. And I saw Holly Lawrence posting a bunch about how she was having visa trouble so that she couldn't get over to Europe because she lives in LA, but she's British, right? And so she was trying to sort out her visa trouble so that she could get over to race in Denmark, Etc. And then my husband was asking me, what's the deal? Like what, why would she have visa trouble? And I realized maybe people don't know how like pro athletes work, like exist in foreign countries. We just kind of are like, oh yeah, we have all these foreign athletes that live in the U S and train here, but that's not, that's not actually a visa that you can like get no. generally. No, <laughs> so no, it's, it's a working visa that you have to like, it, it depends on, it depends on the country, right? Right. Like you have to apply for the visa to, and you have to prove, especially in the U S you have to prove that you, that you're one of the best in the world in order to live there and train there. Right. So I know what a lot of people do is they like one of their sponsors will then also technically like hire them and they'll sponsor their visa and they'll be like, on a work visa, but those usually are only good for a few years or five years. Some people do the tourist visa thing where you have to leave every three months, six months, and then you can come back. I've had friends do that in other countries and come back to the U.S. Uh, the U.S. is obviously getting a little, I want to say stricter, but more, uh, there's a word that means like arbitrary and mean, capricious, uh, <laughs> that makes it like a little harder for people to plan, um, which I know is like getting a little tough for everyone who like, oh, I just live in Boulder half the year. Like, <laughs> It doesn't really work as much anymore. Yeah, totally. And then you have this other issues around traveling to races too. Right. Like some, some countries you have to like jump through hoops of fire to get a visa. And then sometimes you have to not, like, I know there are certain, there's countries in South America I've traveled to where like you don't tell them that you're doing the race because otherwise the visa process becomes very complicated. Then there's other times, like say in Australia is a good example, like Australia will tax you at 50%, almost 50% of your prize money if you don't have the right visa. So it almost becomes not worth going as a pro athlete because you're going to lose so much money unless you get this visa. So you have to like take the time. You have to have an Australian tax number or something. It's kind of complicated. I got stuck one time. I was already there trying to get this like tax number so I could get paid. So there are like, it, it is kind of complicated and you have to be informed and you have to, it's something that a regular traveler wouldn't have to think about. Yeah, for sure. I know I had friends back when Iron Man was not what it is now, like not as big. I had friends who worked there and they would drive up to Iron Man Canada from like they were based in Colorado to work the merchandise tent, but they would just say at the border, like, Oh no, we're just going for vacation. Cause they didn't want to, you know, they didn't have like all the work visa and the taxi like to pay on all the goods that they were bringing. And one, and one of the guys was like, Oh yeah, we're just going for work. And he got rejected at the border. Had Cause he didn't have, they didn't have very, so even between the U S and Canada, Sarah, even our friendly largest friendly border in the world. Yes. Even between. Yeah, totally. I I've a number of times gone to the U S on a tourist visa. Don't come arrest me for races. But then I, I did eventually need, like by the end of my career, when I was racing a lot in the U S I needed a U.S. tax number too. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. And I like paid taxes in the U S for five years or something. Uh, my understanding is in Canada now they just take it out immediately. If, if you win money, you only get 
that money minus whatever it is, 20% or something. Oh, they tax you on. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, so sometimes they have a rate at which they tax you, right. which is like some, and sometimes that rate is reasonable, you know? And, but in Australia, it happens to be like the emergency tax rate or whatever. Like, so they literally are taxing you as if you're a multimillionaire. So they which tax makes you sense. Like I mean, I mean, most, most pro triathletes are so. <laughs> right. But I think Holly sorted out her, her visa issues. Okay, uh, good. Yeah. And she'll be at the European 70.3 champion. I think she's trying to win all the regional 70.3 championships this year. Oh, that's a good plan. If you win races as easily as Holly does, why not? Why not? Why not? (laughs) Does that inspire you or make you feel jealous? (laughs) (laughs) There was another, uh, I mean, obviously there's always a bunch of big races, but the NCAA championships were last weekend or the weekend before that. I watched some of them on TV. And there's been a big controversy. I mean, there's always, but there's been a thing that has come out of it because Ali Ostrander, who is a very good distance runner and she's a steeplechaser. She basically posted that she was annoyed and disappointed, upset that the commentary during the race focused on her appearance and that that was the same, like that happened last year too. And she's like tired of people talking about her appearance. Um, she's like quite small, right? And, and young looking. She like I guess that would be me commenting on her appearance, but I was like, so she doesn't like this. And this so is a lot also of people, something you could relate to being a right, small, young-looking right, person, right? And obviously, everyone kind of like jumped in to support her. Like it's bullshit. It sucks. It's really annoying that people focus on female athletes' appearance instead of their performance. However, and that is true, and I understand the context and the history of why women feel this way. But she's a steeplechaser who's small. Like at some point. your physical attributes play into your sport. Like how much do we know about fucking Michael Phelps's arm span or like Usain Bolt's height? Like we just, we do because they play into how they perform. Yeah. Or Michael Phelps's VO2 max, I feel like was another big Or the fact that Michael Phelps doesn't (laughs) process lactic acid the same way we all, right? Like we, Oh yeah, that's right. I remember, um, it was his torpedo. Remember what was his, his name? remember his giant feet exactly oh we all know the foot i mean i don't even remember the foot size but we heard a lot about the foot the giant feet of ian thorpe so at some point i feel like female athletes are going to have to get to the point and i don't think we're there yet but that you can't just talk about someone's physical attributes as it relates to the sport sports are physical and by definition how your body performs is part of that so yeah i understand that but first of all i I think there should be it's almost like we should create like a media commentator's code of conduct. Okay. Right. So like, first of all, <laughs> we don't like sexualize, like don't sexualize women's or men's bodies when you're talking, when you're comment, commentating on sport, like that to me would be a basic number one rule, but there would be some things for sure that would be in the gray zone when like, because if you're using, if you're an elite athlete, like you say, and you're using your body for the sport, like I think commenting on the way someone moves or the things, the attributes they have that are making them a better athlete might be, is might be reasonable. I also, obviously this is also in the context of like, it's in the context, it's in the context of history, which is why it's always frustrating when someone talks about any one comment, because like it comes with like loaded years of other comments. And so obviously in the context of women's sports, even especially when you talk running, like saying like, Oh, so-and-so looks really fit. Oh, she looks really fast. Oh, she like often is code for like, she lost a lot of weight. Right. And so we've like tended to associate those things and we tend. And so then the commentary drips down through like the, 
the levels of sport and you start to be like, oh, I need to be skinny too so I can be fit. And and obviously that's not like true. And then you just get stress fracture, right? So like all that stuff is, is out there still, which is what makes it all like tricky. Yeah, it is tricky. And I, I, I just think I kind of agree with you that don't talk about bodies ever in sports commentating is probably not the answer, but like being under, being able to understand how nuanced the conversations are and being able to, I mean, I think a commentator should be smart enough to smart enough to at least understand the like the cultural milieu that he or she is commenting in. Right. It probably needs to be like, you only get to talk about people's bodies till you prove that you're good enough to do it, right? We need some like proof of concept and then you will have permission. Like right. that, that is it. Right. And certainly we shouldn't have a situation where we're talking about women's bodies more than men's. Well, sure. Right. Although <laughs> since women only have, what is it? What's the stat? Like 4% of media, media co- coverage. Media coverage. Yeah, like, like maybe we should just talk about, yes, we should, here it is. We should just talk about with athletes. We should just talk about their athleticism full stop, whatever that means. Right. And like talking about bodies is kind of part of that, but in the context of talking about athleticism. Okay. You, solved, you solved it. Okay. Solve the problem. Boom. I think all companies are just gonna have to go through a test with me before I let them say things. Then we'll like give them a certification. That's like, all right, you're, you're good now. Okay. So the <laughs> Kelly certification of sports commentating, that's what we're going to launch next. <laughs> yes. You can sell it at a premium and live feisty media can make millions. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So coming up after the break, we're going to talk about bike shop snobbery. Has anyone ever experienced that? We have. We would like to thank Noon Hydration for supporting the podcast. Get 30% off your order by using the code ironwomen at noonlife.com. That's ironwomen at noonlife.com. And don't forget to order your feisty gear at livefeisty.com with the code RIDING to get a 20% discount. Follow at If We Were Riding on all the social medias and leave us a review on iTunes. Also, tell your actual friends in person how awesome we are, because that works too. If We Were Riding is a Live Feisty Media production and is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our marvelous editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. This time, like the last time. You better get ready to race in the top. I'm ready to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. It's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. There was a big article in Bicycling this week, Sarah, about, it was called like bike shops, stop being snobs. <laughs> like, Amazing. I love headlines I like that. <laughs> right. And it, it got a lot of responses because basically everyone has been to a bike shop where people, where the, the mechanic was super snobby. And I know you have, I know I have. And I also know like just, co- like since we were just talking about the context of like commentary on women's bodies, I know that maybe I'm reading into the fact that they ask me if I know how to change a tire. You're like, yes, I know. Like maybe I'm reading into the fact that they are perceiving me as a small woman who doesn't know how to ride a bike. Mm. But still, that is often the response I get when I go into a bike shop. Okay, I have a really good one. Someone commented, someone wrote, we had a, we put out a question on our Outspoken Summit social media. If anyone wants to check it out, it's on Instagram. I'm going to, I want to have like, oh, about stereotypes, like where and when in triathlon have you been stereotyped? Oh, okay. And someone responded, 
I'm not going to out. I won't out her, of course. If you're worried, whoever you are right now. In the bike shop, she was once told it's a good thing she doesn't have big boobs or else she wouldn't be able to hold her current TT position. There you go. Like, really? <laughs> Can you even imagine someone saying that to you? You're like, and now I'm thinking, I'm like, I guess if they were too large, that would be challenging. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, it, it's like not even the case, not even relevant. Yeah. Like, that's like, <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, I, I think a lot of, okay, so what I would like to know is, and in particular, the article that you read, like, the, what's the line between snobbery and like the boys club treatment that a lot of women experience? Like, I, right, I feel like right. those things are kind of blended together. They are for sure. And they are like the article was talking about, um, you know, bike shops tend to be snobby like generally, but obviously that like women and people of color tend to get treated worse. Like that just, they, there was some survey that surveyed like people who like who have been to bike, you know, national bicycle retailers or whatever. And it was like some huge percentage of women said they had been treated badly and felt discriminated against, felt like some people were snobby to them in bike shops. Whereas for the men, it was like a third of that. Right. Like, so obviously there is a difference. Yeah, there is a difference. What is it? What is it with cycling? I mean, really cyclists are all snobs. That's just like how they roll. Like (laughs) they're like snobby about like what (laughs) height socks you wear and like whether or not you have the glasses on the inside or the outside of your helmet correctly. And like, I mean, I get shit all the time because like I know enough cyclist people and oh my God, I'm such a triathlete. That's totally like I'm the one who shows up with my bar tape flapping in the wind, you know, (laughs) and everybody's rolling their eyes at me. But like, I still, I don't understand why like other sports have been able to get their shit together and cycling for some reason has managed to like you universally remain snobbish i think they take pride i think actually they don't want to not be that's why like they don't want to be different they take pride in being snobby that is part of the deal we know what it takes to be reaching the top we know what it takes to be reaching the top we know what it takes to be reaching the top